the year 1953. A plane touches down at Smithy's Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. Hey there, this is Josh Ersam and you're listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. This episode is on the Little River Band and their debut single, Curiosity Killed the Cat. Our special guests are LRB legends, Beeb Birdles and Glenn Shorrock. The Little River Band are one of the most successful acts in the history of Australian music. On the US Billboard charts, they've had 10 singles reach the top 20, and they've sold more than 30 million records worldwide. The band were renowned for their tight harmonies and brilliant live performances. These guys were serious musos, and on stage they could replicate their sophisticated West Coast studio sound, and American audiences in particular loved them for it. Billboard recently released a list of the most successful bands or duos of all time. The Little River Band came in at number 86. All the sales accolades are one thing, however it's on the music side of things that they really shone through. While many bands from the 70s and 80s now sound dated, the Little River Band's music could almost be classified as timeless. Their hit songs are as relevant today as they were when they were released almost 50 years ago. Before we can begin the LRB story, first we have to take a look at the earlier careers of its members. Frum and Glenn Shorrock had already achieved considerable success prior to joining the band. He was a lead singer with Adelaide band The Twilights, who had a handful of hits including an Australian number one with Needle in a Haystack. When The Twilights broke up in 1969, Glenn joined forces with Brian Cadd to form Axiom. They too had a number of hits, including the all-time classic A Little Ray of Sunshine. A little ray of sunshine has come into the world. A little ray of sunshine in the shape of a girl. We have other episodes on both these bands at Awesome Aussie Songs. The Twilights is episode 55, and episode 23 is on Axiom, so check them out after you've finished listening to this one. Following Axiom's split in 1971, Glenn stayed in England and was the lead singer for an ambitious outfit, Esperanto. This band was a 12-piece rock orchestra, and he recorded two albums and toured extensively throughout Europe and the UK. After leaving Esperanto, he became a backup singer in demand, working with the likes of Cliff Richard and Olivia Newton-John. Okay, that's Glenn's story up until the forming of the Little River Band. While we're talking Glenn's, the band's significant other Glenn was their manager Glenn Wheatley. History shows that after taking on the world and winning with LRB, Wheatley also had great success managing the careers of John Farnham, Pseudo Echo and Delta Goodrum. Apart from being a manager extraordinaire, Wheatley was an accomplished musician 
and was the bass guitarist for the Masters Apprentices. The Masters, as they were affectionately known, had some huge hits, including Because I Love You, and turn up your radio. Despite playing to sold-out crowds night after night, Glenn and the band saw little money, and it was during this time that he came to the realisation he'd be better off managing bands than playing in them. One of the earlier bands Glenn managed was Mississippi. In the period that Glenn took over the management of the band, it included Graham Goebbels, Derek Pelisci, and Beeb Bertels. Beeb had already had a successful career as a bass guitarist in Adelaide band Zoot. His bandmates in Zoot included lead singer Daryl Cotton and guitarist Rick Springfield. Yes, that Rick Springfield. Zoot started out as a bubblegum pop act. They even went as far as wearing all pink clothes while on stage, with their record company coining the catch cry, Think Pink, Think Zoot. Thankfully Zoot was more than just a gimmicky teeny bopper band, and they dropped the pop image for a harder edge rock sound. Their most enduring recording is a reworking of the Beatles song Eleanor Rigby. Covering the Beatles is dangerous ground, however Zoot's creative version was praised by even the harshest of critics. So that's a brief snapshot of the two Glens and also Beeb's backstories. Now it's time to almost look back at Mississippi. However, before Mississippi, we have to take a look at band Alison Gross. Formed in Adelaide in 1970, Alison Gross featured Graham Goebbels on vocals and guitar. The band recorded several singles that sold respectable numbers in their home state, but made no impact on the national charts. Here's their debut single, Naturally, released on the independent Gamba label.
Alison Gross may not have been setting the national charts on fire, the band was successful enough to sign with Fable Records and they released two more singles. The band were then recruited by Fable to record a studio project, however now under the new name of Drummond. Far removed from the sound of Alison Gross, the Drummond experiment used all the tricks of the trade in the studio. They recorded the lead vocals in a chipmunk style and overdubbed these vocals onto band tracks. Alongside the chipmunk vocals, the band recorded the backing vocals in normal human voices and the results proved to be very popular indeed. All up, the band released four singles through Fable, the most popular of these being the song Daddy Cool. This single was released in July 1971 and went on to become a huge hit, going all the way to number one and staying on the Australian charts for 22 weeks. Despite the success of Drummond, there was only so much chipmunk in the band could take. After parting ways with Fable, they moved to Melbourne and renamed themselves Mississippi. They also reverted back to the harmony-rich style of music that they previously played as Alison Gross. Mississippi released a self-titled full-length album on the bootleg label in 1972. The record sold well and made it to number 15 on the national charts. The most successful single the band released was Kings of the World and this song reached number 10. Women in the courtyard, children on their knees. Everybody knows them, no one is looking for me. Robbers on the highway, beggars in the street. Everyone is lonely, no one is Time. 
Like Drummond, Mississippi was initially a three-piece, made up of Graham, Russ Johnson and John Muller. In order to tour the album, they recruited several other musicians to form a touring band which featured B. Birdles on bass and drummer Derek Peligi. Mississippi released several more singles, however their only other significant chart success came in May 1974 with the release of Will I. Over time, the band underwent several lineup changes and at one stage included future Sherbet guitarist Harvey James. Like many local bands of the time, Mississippi decided to try their luck in the UK. However, after 12 months of going nowhere fast, at the end of 1974 the band called it a day and broke up. Some members returned to Australia, but Goebbels, Polici and Bertles remained in the UK and along with manager Glenn Wheatley, they set about trying to form a new band. Here's Beeb talking about Mississippi and the band heading to the UK. He starts out by explaining the difference in record label support that he felt with LRB compared to Mississippi. Yeah, well, you know, I think it was also due to, um, we really felt that EMI uh, got behind us, uh, whereas in Mississippi we were, you know, signed to the bootleg label and... um, it, it became obvious to us that we weren't going to get the chance to record a second Mississippi album. And so uh, we got a bit disillusioned, not only with the label, but uh, I think we were disappointed with the, the lack of airplay that Will I got. And, and so um, that's what made us think, well, let's just go try our luck in England. 
And, um, you know, our manager at the time got us uh, a, a free passage to England by playing on the, on the, um, the fair sky, the Sitmar line. Following the demise of Axiom, Glenn Shorrock had battled away in London. There were several positive starts, included being a member of Esperanto, and at various times he also provided backing vocals for performers such as Cliff Richard and Olivia Newton-John. I stayed on in London and carried on writing as much as I could and doing demos with, uh, with Terry Britton and Alan Tarney and, and people like that and doing sessions behind Cliff and um, Olivia because there was a sort of heavy Aussie mafia in the early 70s in London. Um, and stayed there until 19, late 1974. Um, but by then I'd had a meeting and a sort of an offer to front another band in back in Australia. And that band was Mississippi, or the remnants of Mississippi, uh, with B. Birtles, Graham Goble and Derek Bellici and uh, Glenn Wheatley and Toe. And they decided that I would be a, a suitable lead singer for a new venture, but but we should do it from back from Australia because we we you know, we had enough of England really. It was a lost cause by then. Uh, as I term it, it was a kamikaze missions and dashing ourselves on the white cliffs of Dover <laughs> and uh, running home with that towel between our legs. And but uh, sure enough, the songs that I heard from Birdles and Gobel and and were coupled with my songs. We had a, a very strong arsenal of material for a recording career for this band, uh, and uh, it, it worked. You know, we, we the, the songs were great, the singing was great, and um, we got off to a great start. We got a contract pretty quickly when we arrived back in Melbourne. And it was Wheatley and uh, myself. We we stayed with Jim Keys for a while. Uh, he was in his Boy from the Stars incarnation at the time and uh, put a band together that became LRB. Um, I, I named it Little River Band because I didn't want to be known as Mississippi. I, I thought uh, I wanted to be an Australian-sounding name, a more egalitarian-sounding name. And um, so Little River Band stuck. As Glenn just mentioned, he came up with the band's new name. He got the inspiration as they travelled along the Prince's Highway from Melbourne to Geelong on one of their first gigs. Glenn saw a roadside sign for Little River, and as they say, the rest is history. LRB's original lineup was Glenn, Beeb, Graham, and Derek, along with David Orams on bass and lead guitarist Graham Davidge. Davidge left the band shortly after the recording of When Will I Be Loved, and he would later go on to join Goenna, and he played on their biggest hit, Solid Rock. He was replaced by Rick Formosa, an Italian-born Canadian who had arrived in Australia in 1974. The classically trained guitarist added another layer of complexity to the band's sound. Interestingly, Glenn Wheatley first approached former New Seekers vocalist Peter Doyle to join LRB. However, Doyle didn't want to be in another band and passed on the gig. Wheatley then approached Glenn Shurrock. 
New Zealander Dave Orams was the band's first bass guitarist. However, unlike Davidge, he didn't record anything with the band. Orams left and was replaced by another Kiwi, Roger McLaughlin. Apart from LRB, another of McLaughlin's musical claims to fame is he recorded the bass parts on John Farnham's You're the Voice. Roger's got a great YouTube channel where he isolates the bass parts on songs he's recorded. He explains a lot about the technical aspects and he has plenty of LRB songs there, so check it out. Initially, LRB planned to release a version of the Everly Brothers song, When Will I Be Loved? This was to be the band's debut single and was recorded at the Armstrong Studios in Melbourne in February 1975. been made blue I've been lied to when will I be loved I've been turned down I've been pushed round when will I be loved
American singer Linda Ronstadt's own release of the song quickly torpedoed any plans the band had to release it, so they chose Curiosity Killed the Cat as their debut single. Yeah. Um, well, actually, when, I, when Will I Be Loved was, we'd recorded it for our first single, but um, Linda Ronstadt put it out unbeknownst to us and had a hit with it before we could do that. So we went to Plan B and Curiosity Killed the Cat was the most commercial one. But we, we, li- we loved it. It's a long way there, but it was not commercially viable, we thought. Too long and um, too clever, perhaps. Um, but um, Curiosity did the, did the trick, got us on the countdown, and, you know, we were away and, and running then. I still do it in my shows, and it goes down where it was because it's got a wonderful dancing feel to it. Curiosity Killed the Cat was written by Beeb. Here's how the initial idea of the song came about. We were living in London at the time because Mississippi had gone over there to try our luck, and um, I was sharing a house with Graham Goebel and his wife, and um, she had, she'd found this little kitten and that was running around in the house, and, and one day I was just sitting around in, in the living room playing my guitar, and uh, the kitten was scampering around, and I've always loved proverbs, and the proverb you know, curiosity killed the cat popped into my mind. And um, and so that's what uh, got me writing the song. And I think I, I wrote it very quickly. I, I wrote it that very day, I think, um, never thinking that it would one day become a single for a Little River Band, of course. Apart from being quality musicians and sounding fantastic, what set them apart from others was the ridiculous amount of songwriting talent within the band. At that particular time, there were three songwriters, Glenn Shark, Graham, and myself. And um, what really drew us all together was also in London. And when Glenn came over one one day and, and we just played each other the songs we'd been writing. And um, we liked a lot of each other's songs. And, and of course, as you know, in Little River Band, um, a lot of those uh, arrangements to those songs Everybody in the band gave it their everything to make that song the best possible song we could, and so there was a gr- there was a lot of respect for each other's talent as songwriters. There's no denying the fact that the Little River Band's use of harmonies are simply out of this world. That harmony blend between Graham, Glenn, and myself, um, you know, we we incorporated that into you know nearly all of our songs, really. And it became kind of the signature sound for the group. The band worked hard to sound so good. There was never any just dialing it in live on stage or in the studio. Oh yeah, we were we were um, very very uh, particular in the studio when it came to our vocals. Um, you know, we had to match each other's phrasing, um, get the mood right. You know, be in tune, of course, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, that's what that's what made Little River Band so great. With three quality songwriters in the band, LRV were never short of material to record. You know, we were so lucky, really, when you think about it, because of the fact that Mississippi didn't get to record that second album. By the time we came back from England to Australia, um, I think Graham, Glenn and I presented something like 60 songs for that first Little River Band album. We had so many songs but, you know, as you know, because of the length of It's a Long Way There, there were only nine songs on that first album. 
So a lot of the songs that were presented for that first album then got presented for the second and the third album. The B-side to Curiosity Killed the Cat was one of Graham's songs. I just don't get the feeling anymore. The band's self-titled debut album was released in October 1975 through EMI and it reached number 17 on the National Albums charts. It was produced by Glenn Wheatley and the Little River Band. Other singles released in Australia from the album includes Graham's eight and a half minute epic It's a Long Way There. as well as the shuriken-ridden Emma. It's hard to 
In North America, I'll Always Call Your Name was also released as a single. have more LRB episodes in the near future. Curiosity Killed the Cat reached number 8 on the Australian charts. The song was written by Beat Birdles and recorded in the Armstrong Studios in Melbourne. Okay, that's enough of the talk. Here's Curiosity Killed the Cat by the Little River Band.
Thanks for listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. Thanks to Beeb and Glenn for your time, and thanks to the Little River Band for the music. Hi, this is Molly. You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions, written and produced by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kip. And presented by Josh Urson. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, Hit it, girl! That I've been to and now Now I know